Part One, Story Two of Blazed Trail Stories and Stories of the Wildlife by Stuart Edward White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story Two: The Foreman. A man is one thing; a man plus his work is another, entirely different. You can learn this anywhere, but in the lumber woods best of all. Especially is it true of the camp boss, the foreman a firm that knows its business knows this and so never considers merely what sort of a character a candidate may bear in town he may drink or abstain may exhibit bravery or cowardice strength or weakness it is all one to the lumbermen who employ him in the woods his quality must appear so often the man most efficient and trusted in the especial environment of his work is the most disreputable outside of it the mere dignifying quality of labor raises his value to the nth power in it he discovers the self-respect which in one form or another is absolutely necessary to the man who counts his resolution to succeed has back of it this necessity of self-respect and so is invincible a good boss gives back before nothing which will further his job most people in the north country understand this double standard but occasionally someone either stupid or inexperienced or unobservant makes the mistake of concluding that the town character and the woods character are necessarily the same if he acts in accordance with that erroneous idea he gets into trouble take the case of silver jack and the walking boss of morrison and daly for instance silver jack imagined his first encounter with richard darrell in bay city indicated the certainty of like results to his second encounter with that individual in camp thirty his mistake was costly but almost anybody could have told him better to understand the case you must first meet richard darrell the latter was a man about five feet six inches in height slenderly built yet with broad hanging shoulders his face was an exact triangle beginning with a mop of red-brown hair and ending with a pointed chin two level quadrilaterals served him as eyebrows beneath which a strong hooked nose separated his round brown chipmunk's eyes when he walked he threw his heavy shoulders slightly forward this in turn projected his eager nervous countenance the fact that he was accustomed to hold his hands half open with the palms square to the rear lent him a peculiarly ready and truculent air his name as has been said was richard darrell but men called him roaring dick for upward of fifteen years he had been woods foreman for morrison and daly the great lumber firm of the beeson lake district that would make him about thirty-eight years old he did not look it his firm thought everything of him in spite of the fact that his reputation made it exceedingly difficult to hire men for his camps he had the name of a driver but this little man in some mysterious way of his own could get in the logs there was none like him about once in three months he would suddenly appear worn and haggard at beeson lake where he would drop into an iron bed which the company maintained for that especial purpose tim brady the caretaker would bring him food at stated intervals after four days of this he would as suddenly disappear into the forest again charged with the vital restless energy which kept him on his feet fourteen hours a day until the next breakdown 
when he looked directly at you this nerve force seemed to communicate itself to you with the physical shock of an impact richard darrell usually finished banking his season's cut a month earlier than anybody else then he drew his pay at beeson lake took the train for bay city and set out to have a good time whiskey was its main element on his intensely nervous organization it acted like a poison he would do the wildest things after his money was all spent he started up river for the log drive hollow-eyed shaking in twenty-four hours he was himself again dominant truculent fixing his brown chipmunk eyes on the delinquents with the physical shock of an impact coolly balancing beneath the imminent ruin of a jam silver jack on the other hand was not nervous at all but very tall and strong with bronze-red skin and flaxen white hair moustache and eyebrows the latter peculiarity earned him his nickname he was at all times absolutely fearless and self-reliant in regard to material conditions but singularly unobservant and stupid when it was a question of psychology he had been a sawyer in his early experience but later became a bartender in muskegon he was in general a good-humoured animal enough but fond of a swagger given to showing off and exceedingly ugly when his passions were aroused his first hard work after arriving in bay city was of course to visit the saloons in one of these he came upon richard darrell the latter was enjoying himself noisily by throwing wine-glasses at a beer advertisement as he always paid liberally for the glasses no one thought of objecting who's the bucko inquired silver jack of a man near the stove oh, that's roaring dick darrell walkin boss for m and d replied the other silver jack drew his flax-white eyebrows together roarin dick huh roarin dick fine name for a bad man i s'pose he thinks he's particular all hell don't he i dunno guess he is he's got the name for it well said silver jack drawing his powerful back into a bow i ain't much but i don't like noise especially roarin with the words he walked directly across the saloon to the foreman my name is silver jack said he i come from muskegon way i don't like noise quit it all right replied dick the other was astonished then he recovered his swagger and went on they tell me you're the old he-coon of this neck of the woods perhaps you are but i'm here now catch on i'm the boss of this shebang now dick smiled amiably all right he repeated this second acquiescence nonplussed the newcomer but he insisted on his fight you're a bluff said he insultingly ah go to hell replied dick with disgust what's that shouted the stranger towering with threatening bulk over the smaller man and then to his surprise dick darrell began to beg don't you hit me he cried i ain't done nothing to you you let me alone don't you let him touch me he called beseechingly to the barkeeper i don't want to get hurt stop it let me be silver jack took richard darrell by the collar and propelled him rapidly to the door the foreman hung back like a small boy in the grasp of a schoolmaster whining beseeching squirming appealing for help to the barkeeper and the bystanders when finally he was energetically kicked into the gutter he wept a little with nervous rage roarin dick rats said silver jack anybody can do him proper if that's your knocker you're a gang of high bankers 
the other men merely smiled in the manner of those who know incidentally silver jack was desperately pounded by big dan later in the evening on account of that high banker remark richard darrell soon after went into the woods with his crew and began the tremendous struggle against the wilderness silver jack and big dan took up the saloon business at beeson lake and set themselves to gathering a clientele which should do them credit the winter was a bad one for everybody deep snows put the job behind frequent storms undid the work of an infinitely slow patience when the logging roads were cut through the ground failed to freeze because of the thick white covering that overlaid it darrell in his mysterious compelling fashion managed somehow everywhere his thin eager triangle of a face with the brown chipmunk eyes was seen bullying the men into titanic exertions by the mere shock of his nervous force over the thin crust of ice cautious loads of a few thousand feet were drawn to the banks of the river the roadbed held gradually it hardened and thickened the size of the loads increased finally billy o'brien drew up triumphantly at the rollway there's a rim-racker he exclaimed give her all she'll stand jimmy jimmy hall the sealer laid his flexible rule over the face of each log the men gathered interested in this record load thirteen thousand two hundred and forty announced the scaler at last whoopee crowed billy o'brien that'll lay out rollway charlie by two thousand feet the men congratulated him on his victory over the other teamster rollway charlie suddenly darrell was among them eager menacing thrusting his nervous face and heavy shoulders here and there in the crowd bullying them back to the work which they were neglecting when his back was turned they grumbled at him savagely threatening to disobey resolving to quit some of them did quit but none of them disobeyed now the big loads were coming in regularly and the railways became choked with the logs dumped down on them from the sleighs there were not enough men to roll them down to the river nor to deck them there in piles work accumulated the cant-hook men became discouraged what was the use of trying they might as well take it easy they did take it easy as a consequence the teamsters had often to wait two three hours to be unloaded they were out until long after dark feeling their way homeward through hunger and cold dick darrell walking boss of all the camps did the best he could he sent message after message to beeson lake demanding more men if the rollways could be definitely cleared once the work would lighten all along the line then the men would regain their content more help was promised but it was slow in coming the balance hung trembling at any moment the foreman expected the crisis when the men discouraged by the accumulation of work would begin to jump would ask for their time and quit leaving the job half finished in the woods this catastrophe must not happen darrell himself worked like a demon until dark and then ten to one while the other men rested would strike feverishly across to camp twenty eight or camp forty where he would consult with morgan or scotty parsons until far into the night his pale triangular face showed the white lines of exhaustion but his chipmunk eyes and his eager movements told of a determination stronger than any protests of a mere nature now fate ordained that silver jack for the purposes of his enlightenment should select just this moment to drum up trade 
he was in his way as anxious to induce the men to come out of the woods as richard darrell was to keep them in beeson lake at this time of year was very dull only a few chronic loafers without money ornamented the saloon walls on the other hand at the four camps of morrison and daly were three hundred men each with four months pay coming to him in the ordinary course of events these men would not be out for sixty days yet but silver jack and big dan perfectly well knew that it only needed the suggestion the temptation to arouse the spirit of restlessness that a taste or so of whisky will shiver the patience of men oppressed by long monotony is as a b c to the north country saloon-keeper silver jack resolved to make the rounds of the camps sure that the investment of a few jugs of whisky would bring down to beeson lake at least thirty or forty woods wearied men accordingly he donned many clothes and drove out into the wilderness a cutter containing three jugs and some cigars in boxes he anticipated trouble perhaps he would even have to lurk in the woods awaiting his opportunity to smuggle his liquor to the men however luck favored him at camp twenty eight he was able to dodge unseen into the men's camp when morgan the camp foreman finally discovered his presence the mischief had been done everybody was smoking cigars everybody was happily conscious of a warm glow at the pit of his stomach everybody was firmly convinced that silver jack was the best fellow on earth morgan could do nothing an attempt to eject silver jack an expostulation even would he knew lose him his entire crew the men their heads whirling with the anticipated delights of a spree would indignantly champion their new friend morgan retired grimly to the office there the next morning he silently made out the time of six men who had decided to quit he wondered what would become of the rollways silver jack for the sake of companionship took one of the jumpers in the cutter with him he was pleased over his success and intended now to try camp thirty darrell's headquarters in regard to morgan he had been somewhat uneasy for he had never encountered that individual but darrell he thought he knew the trouble at bay city had inspired him with a great contempt for the walking boss that is where his mistake came in it was very cold the snow was up to the horses bellies so silver jack had to drive at a plunging walk occasionally one or the other of the two stood up and thrashed his arms about at noon they ate sandwiches of cold fried bacon which the frost rendered brittle as soon as it left the warmth of their inside pockets underfoot the runners of the cutter shrieked loudly they saw the tracks of deer and wolves and partridge and encountered a few jays chickadees and woodpeckers otherwise the forest seemed quite empty by half-past two they had made nine miles and the sun in this high latitude was swinging lower silver jack spoke angrily to his struggling animals the other had fallen into the silence of numbness they did not know that across the reaches of the forest a man was hurrying to intercept them a man who hastened to cope with this new complication as readily as he would have coped with the emergency of a lack of flour or the sickness of horses they drove confidently suddenly from nowhere a figure appeared in the trail before them it stood silent and impassive with forward drooping heavy shoulders watching the approaching cutter through inscrutable chipmunk eyes 
when the strangers had approached to within a few feet of this man the horses stopped of their own accord hello darrell greeted silver jack tugging at one of the stone jugs beneath the seat you're just the man i wanted to see the figure made no reply have a drink offered the big man finally extricating the whiskey you can't take that whiskey into camp said darrell oh i guess so replied silver jack easily hoping for the peaceful solution there ain't enough to get anybody full have a taster darrell it's pretty good stuff i mean it repeated darrell you got to go back he seized the horses bits and began to lead them in the reversing circle hold on there cried silver jack you let them horses alone you damn little runt let them alone i say the robe was kicked aside and silver jack prepared to descend richard darrell twisted his feet out of his snowshoe straps you can't take that whiskey into camp he repeated simply now look here darrell said the other in even tones don't you make no mistake i ain't selling this whiskey i'm giving it away the law can't touch me you ain't any right to say where i'll go and by god i'm going where i please you got to go back with that whiskey replied darrell silver jack threw aside his coat and advanced you get out of my way or i'll kick you out like i done at bay city in an instant two blows were exchanged the first marked silver jack's bronze red face just to the left of his white eyebrow the second sent richard darrell gasping and sobbing into the snowbank ten feet away he arose with the blood streaming from beneath his moustache his eager nervous face was white his chipmunk eyes narrowed his great hands held palm backward clutched spasmodically with the stealthy motion of a cat he approached his antagonist and sprang silver jack stood straight and confident awaiting him three times the aggressor was knocked entirely off his feet the fourth he hit against the cutter body and his fingers closed on the axe which all voyagers through the forest carry as a matter of course he's getting ugly come on hank cried silver jack the other man with a long score to pay the walking boss seized the iron starting bar and descended out from the inscrutable white forest murder breathed like a pestilential air the two men talked about it easily confidently you catch him on one side and i'll come in on the other said the man named hank gripping his short heavy bar the forest lay behind the forest easily penetrable to a man in moccasins richard darrell could at any moment have fled beyond the possibility of pursuit this had become no mere question of a bar-room fisticuff but of life and death he had begged abjectly from the pain of a cuff on the ear now he merely glanced over his shoulder toward the safety that lay beyond then with a cry he whirled the axe about his head and threw it directly at the second of his antagonists the flat of the implement struck heavily full on the man's forehead he fell stunned immediately the other two precipitated themselves on the weapons this time silver jack secured the axe while darrell had to content himself with the short heavy bar the strange duel recommenced while the horses mildly curious gazed through the steam of their nostrils at their warring masters overhead the ravens of the far north idled to and fro when the three men lay still on the trampled snow they stooped nearer and nearer then they towered one of the men had stirred 
Richard Darrell painfully cleared his eyes and dragged himself to a sitting position, sweeping the blood of his shallow wound from his forehead. He searched out the axe. With it he first smashed in the whiskey jugs. Then he wrecked the cutter, chopping it savagely until it was reduced to splinters and twisted iron. By the time this was done, his antagonists were in the throes of returning consciousness. He stood over them, dominant and menacing. "'You hit the bat trail,' said he. "'Damn quick! Don't you let me see you round these diggins again!' Silverjack, bewildered, half-stunned, not understanding this little cowardly man who had permitted himself to be kicked from the saloon, rose slowly. "'You stand there!' commanded Darrell. He opened a pocket-knife and cut the harness to bits, leaving only the necessary headstalls intact. "'Now git,' said he. "'Pike out, for Beeson Lake. Don't you stop at no Camp 28. Appalled at the prospect of the long journey through the frozen forest, Silver Jack and his companion silently led the horses away. As they reached the bend in the trail, they looked back. The sun was just setting through the trees, throwing the illusion of them gigantic across the eye. And he stood there, huge, menacing, against the light, the dominant spirit, roaring dick of the woods, the incarnation of necessity, the man defending his work, the foreman. End of story two.